Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for this opportunity once again to come and study your word, come together as one body, like-minded, like faith. Father, we thank you that we have this opportunity. We love you. We love your word. We value your word. So this next uh, bit of time, we give it to you, Father. All distractions, all confusion, it has to go. Father, I thank you that the weight from our week up to this point and anything that might uh, be coming up the rest of this week, Father, we lay it all aside. We cast our cares upon you. You are our focus. You have our full attention tonight, Father, and we thank you that we will receive life, peace, hope through your word tonight. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. We'll go with, to uh, Matthew chapter 15 with me. Matthew chapter 15. I'm still kind of in a vein tonight on the new year and receiving the things that God has for us, walking in the things that God has for us this year. And, um, you know, I don't know that God is necessarily on the 365-day cycle that we are on and that he starts January and he ends in December like we do. But I do know this, that God is a God of seasons. And he does move in timing and seasons. And so... Uh, you know, whatever it was that you came out of last year and you're moving into this year, the things that you're expecting, you know, that's kind of a man-made thing. Um, but I believe that God honors that in our lives. And I, I, I believe that the timing of the year puts our heart in preparation to receive something from God. And so that's why we're talking about this right now in January. Could I talk about this any other time of the year? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I could be talking about starting something uh, in November if I wanted to, uh, because God is always starting something and there's always something new that God's wanting to do in our lives. Um, but right now, you know, when we enter, when we come out of December 31st and we go into January 1st, most of the time people are in a mindset and in a mode of uh, something new, something different, changing things, applying, focus, giving more attention to making modifications, taking our lives into evaluation. And so uh, that's why these messages really hit home at this time. But like I was saying last week, um, you know, these are messages that you'll want to keep giving attention to throughout the year, especially as we go through the year and, and things that you, you are believing for, maybe they begin to happen or you begin to see the tip of the iceberg or maybe we're still not seeing a whole lot at all, but we still know those promises are out there. These are some things that uh, we want to remind ourselves. Peter, Paul, Jesus, the many times they said, I want to keep you in remembrance of, or I want to remind you of. I'm reminding you of the words that I gave you before. So um, this is something good that you'll want to be in remembrance of throughout the year for the rest of your life because this is how we change, and this is how we adapt to what God has for us. So the title of my message tonight is Stuck in a Rut. Stuck in a rut, and I want to talk about breaking tradition, getting out of tradition. So in Matthew chapter 15, we're going to start with verse 1. Matthew 15 and verse 1, uh, it says, Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Basically, they're saying, we have rules and policies in place here. And before you eat, you're supposed to be washing your hands. So why don't your disciples who are following you and you claim to be, you know, of God and he's your father and blah, blah, blah. Uh, why are they breaking this tradition? And Jesus says in verse three, he answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? And what he's saying here is. You are actually breaking God's commands because of something that you have created, a tradition that you have put in place that was man-made. And he goes on to tell them that uh, you are telling people that they don't have to honor their father and mother if they honor God. And he said, "That's not that, that, you, you can't do that because one of the Ten Commandments is honor your father and mother and you will live long. God will satisfy you with long life. And so... Uh, what he's saying here is you have actually done away with God's command for your traditions. Traditions are dangerous. Now, I want to open up with this statement. Traditions 
are not always bad. I want to go ahead and put that in place. Because there are some traditions that we have that are good. If it's traditional for you to read your Bible every day, that's a good tradition. The tradition itself won't set you free because if you're not getting anything out of it or if you're not doing it with the right heart and the right motive, then the tradition by itself will never set you free. That was the problem with the law is the law that was put in place in the Old Testament couldn't set anybody free. All it did was tell you, hey, you're a sinner. That's all it could do. It identified when you were wrong and it identified when you were right. That's all the law could do. The law gave you no power to actually obey it. It just said, love the Lord your God, uh, or, or, or uh, you know, excuse me, have no other gods before you. Love the Lord your God was Jesus. He came back and said, if you just follow this one command, you'll obey all the others. But you know what the Ten Commandments are. Do not kill, do not steal, have no other gods, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. We know these, okay? These are the Ten Commandments. Nothing about the Ten Commandments gave you the ability, gave man the ability to obey it. There was nothing the law could do. It just identified if you do this, you're right. If you do this, you're wrong. Jesus came, did away with, uh, did away with the law, became our forgiveness and became our redemption for us and gave us the ability to then obey the law. Okay? So traditions by themselves will never set you free. We've got to understand that. Although we may have some good traditions, a tradition of reading your Bible every day will not set you free unless you apply what's, what it says. I like to put it this way. Um, if you don't do what the Word says, then the Word will do nothing for you. Because just reading it and just getting the law in your brain isn't going to do anything. You want to get it in your heart to where it becomes action. Okay? But we're talking about breaking traditions, getting out of a rut and, and, a, and a, get out of a mode. And so what Jesus is saying to the religious leaders here is you have traditions that you have set up in your lives, but you are sticking to those man-made traditions and rules and systems, and you have actually forgotten what my commands, what my Father's commands are completely, and you're not even obeying my Father's commands any longer. Okay? So we have to get out of this rut of traditions. Why are we going here? Because there may be some things that you have in your life today that are a tradition, but they are ruining you. Because here's what traditions do. Traditions hinder you from your future. Traditions hinder you from your future. Traditions will never move you forward. Traditions will never move you forward. They will literally keep you stuck right where you're at. And we know it, spiritually, you never stay in one place. You're either going forward or you're going backward. God says if you're in just one place and if you're stale, you're going the wrong direction. That's what God says. So we need to always be moving forward. In this new year, there are some things that God has for us that he wants us to be moving forward into, some new things he wants to add to our lives, some blessings that he wants us to walk in, some things that he wants us to do. But I'm going to tell you right now, you will not walk in them doing what you did traditionally. Here's the definition of tradition. The definition of tradition, a long-established or inherited way of thinking or acting. A long-established or inherited, either you established it, and how many of you know we have traditions that were set by people that came before us, the way we were raised, the way we were taught, the people that we hung around with maybe in a previous lifestyle, and so that developed some traditions in us that were long-established or inherited ways of thinking and acting. The tradition starts here. And so you might have had a tradition either that you established or that was inherited about money, about parenting, about business, about your career, about a job. The reason why we have such a mess in what we call the ghetto in our town and many other towns across the United States and really around the world 
is because we have a mentality and a tradition that I will never do greater than my parents. And so they see their parents where they're at, and that's all their vision is, and that's all they see, and that's what they're raised in. That's what they're grown up. Until they get a vision outside of that, until they get a picture of what could really happen, until someone comes to their school and says, hey, you don't have to live this way. You don't have to work at McDonald's for the rest of your life. You don't have to be a warehouse uh, stock person, you know, at Walmart for the rest of your life. You can go and do your own thing. You can move up in a company. You can do different things. Until they get that mentality, they will be stuck in a tradition that has been inherited and passed down through generation to generation to generation. It's a tradition. And so... This tradition, this established or inherited way of thinking or acting, we have to break these traditions. Another uh, definition for a tradition is a continuing pattern, method, or manner. A continuing. Continuing pattern, method, or manner. I don't know how many of you were about three, four weeks into 2013, And I don't know how many of you have already looked back and said, wow, I'm, whoa, I'm starting the same way I did in 2012. I've got a pattern here that's taken place that, you know, I started 2012 and I had all these admirations and these resolutions that I was going to do. And, you know, I got about this far last year and I didn't make it. I I, I got about to three weeks in my Bible reading plan and then I started to fade off again. I got about two weeks into working out and then I I didn't go. And now I'm just kind of repeating a pattern. That's a tradition. We got to break the tradition. We got to break the pattern. We got to break the method. We got to break the manner. Why? Because what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. That's what it that's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing, the same pattern, the same method, the same manner, whether it was established or whether it was inherited, in our thinking and in our acting, doing that over and over and over. No, this is going to be the year I I, I save money. This is going to be the year that I'm able to put that money aside. And then we get to December and we find out that the pattern that didn't work last year didn't work this year. I'll tell you right now, just because the last number of the year changes does not mean our lives change. And we're finding that out. And so we have to get out of these traditions. Jesus is addressing traditions with the religious leaders. The religious leaders. He's not talking to stupid people. He's not talking to dumb people that don't know anything about God and about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and don't know anything about King David and what he did and don't know anything about how we all got here and that God created the heavens and the earth and spoke light into existence and spoke the earth into existence, spoke animals into existence, spoke the oceans into existence. He's not talking to people that don't know anything about that. He's talking to religious people that are stuck in a method, a pattern, a manner that had been passed down through them. A lifestyle that they think is righteous. A lifestyle that they think we're doing exactly what God wants us to do. Yet they're not. Because he goes on to say, you're exactly like the people that Isaiah talked about. You talk about me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You do all your little traditions, but you're actually breaking my commands in the midst of your man-made traditions. Look at Mark chapter 7. It's another revision of this same passage. But there's some different words on this account that I want to look at. We have to get out of this tradition mindset, this tradition mentality. This is something that I've been dealing with. I've told y'all before, you know, here in this town, it's very traditional. And there's things we do. I remember I sat down and had a conversation with uh, someone one time. Um, We had been here, I don't know, for a a little while, maybe about eight or nine months. And they asked me, you know, you haven't, you haven't taken communion. Yeah, do y'all, do y'all do that? Do y'all do communion? 
I said, yeah, absolutely. We're commanded to in, in God's word. Absolutely. Okay, well, I was just wondering, you know, because at my church, we, you know, growing up, you know, I went to a certain denomination, a certain church, and we did it every Sunday. And I said, okay, well, let me ask you a question. Why? Why do, why do you take communion? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's just what we've always done. It's just how I was raised. It's just how I was taught. That's just the long-established pattern, method, and manner of life that we did. It's just what we did. Taking communion, one of the most important things that the body should be doing. And I, and I told him, I said, well, you know, here at Anchor Faith Church, we want, I, I want our body to know why we do something, not just do it because they're told to. I said, yeah, we take communion. We sure do. We eat the bread. But you know what happens is the more and more you do something, you lose the value for it. I'm not saying you're not supposed to do it every single Sunday. I'm not going to go out and say that. It doesn't say I have to do it every Sunday, obviously. But I would say this. If you get to the point that you don't even value what you're doing anymore and you don't know why you're doing it and what the purpose of it is, then we need to evaluate some things. We need to take a step back and say, whoa, wait a minute, why? What is communion all about? Why am I taking his, why am I eating a cracker and drinking grape juice? Why am I taking his body and drinking his blood? What does the body mean? What does the blood mean? Why, do, why are we instructed as a body to take communion? We got to get back to purposes. We got to get back to values. We got to get back to the why. Otherwise, it becomes tradition. Now, watch what Jesus says here in Mark chapter 7. Same account, same conversation, different author, different book. In Mark chapter 7, let me get there. In verse 8. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. And then he mentions the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. For laying aside the commandment of God. Laying aside the commandment of God, you do your man-made traditions. That's not a good place to be. That's not a place you want to be. You want to be in a place where you are obeying God's commands and you know why you're obeying, you know why you're doing it. And it's not a tradition. It's not just, well, that's what I've always done. That's how I was raised. That's how I was taught. We've got to get back to why. and We have to step back and evaluate. Go, uh, let's see, we're going to read a little further. He said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Watch this. Now he says, you are rejecting the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Traditions are a result of rejecting truth. Traditions come into your life as a result of rejecting truth. Well, I don't want to look at money that way. I don't want to look at it as an investment thing. I mean, this is just how I was always taught. This is what I've always done with money. This is what I've always done. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about giving a tithe. I mean, I, I wasn't raised to give tithe. I wasn't raised to, you know, take my, my paycheck and give ten percent of that. I mean, I, I, I don't want. No, this is what we've always done. This is how I've always done my finances. Don't mess with my tradition. Don't mess with how I've always done things. Don't mess with my pattern and my method and my manner and that's continuing over and over and over yet when truth comes i don't know about you but i want to side with truth not tradition i want to side with what's going to set me free because last time i checked truth sets people free not tradition that's what we opened up with traditions don't set you free and that's why i opened up with that because the alternative to to your tradition is the truth The alternative to getting out of your habit and your way of doing things that we've always done it, 
year after year after year, month after month after month, week after week after week, and doing it because that's how we've always done it. That's how I was taught. That's how I was raised. That's how they preached it. That's how they said it. That's how they sang it. And then moving over into truth. Truth is what will set you free. Truth is what will set you free. I mean, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest resolutions that's probably on 75% of people's resolutions every year is I want to get in shape. Probably one of the biggest ones. I'm going to get in a gym or I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to work out. I'm going to start walking, running, whatever. Whatever that means. Getting in shape is different for everybody. There's people that have goals of, you know what, I want to lift this amount of weight. And there's people that just say, you know what, I want to, I want to walk a mile every day. I want to walk a mile a week. Whatever, it's different. I'm not here to put anybody in a box. But, that, but you know that's on most people's resolutions. That's at the top of the list. If we did a family feud and played a little game here and did survey says, lose weight, right? That would be one of the top ones on there. Well, there's traditions and then there's truth. Anybody ever seen an infomercial for a piece of workout equipment? Any piece of workout equipment? Anybody ever seen one? Dude, they got it all. We're going backwards now. Now they have machines that you don't have to do anything. You just sit there. This thing vibrates so fast on your stomach. Just, you know, 90 days. Give you 90-day test runs. If you don't have washboard abs in 90 days, send the thing back, and we'll give you your money back. Right. Why? Because people are looking for a different method. But the truth is, let's just talk about the truth. Truth is, it's going to take hard work and dedication. Truth is, it's going to take some sacrifice. Truth is, it's going to take some time. It's not going to be there by January 31st. So don't get frustrated on February 1st when we don't have it yet. Let's just keep on going through this thing. And maybe three months, six months, nine months, 12 months later down the road, take some pictures do some side-by-sides, and now we've got a different outlook. But January 31st, maybe not. But if I take this, and if I do this diet, and inject this, and take this pill, and do all these different things, when the truth is, we might just have to take a slot of time out of our evening. We might have to cut something out of our refrigerator and diet. We might have to just go to the gym and actually lift weights, and run, and move, and work out. Because the traditions aren't working. But the truth will work. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free from every year on January 1st saying, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get healthier. I'm going to eat better. Instead of that January 1st coming around and we have the same thing on the same list every year, let's get the truth on it. And next year we can get a different resolution. Get a different goal in mind. Amen? So God is saying here, Jesus is saying, that when you stay to your tradition, you are actually rejecting truth. When the truth is the thing that will set you free. You reject the commandment of God. What's the commandment of God? God's word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. So the word of God is truth. And if we go with the truth, it will set us free. The tradition will not set us free. And we're talking about breaking out of tradition. The devil wants you to do the same thing because he wants you to be in the same place. The enemy, he wants you to do the same thing you did last year. Because come this time next year, he wants you to be in the same place. He wants you to be in the same place financially. He wants you to be in the same place as a parent. He wants you to be in the same place. He doesn't want you to finish. Last week we talked about not just starting but finishing. Staying committed. Seeing this thing to the end. He doesn't want you to finish. He doesn't want you to have victory in your business. He doesn't want you to overcome in your finances. He doesn't want you to get your your, uh, physical body under control. He doesn't want you to be a better parent. He doesn't want you to have more influence in the community. 
He doesn't want you to climb the ladder at your job and have more influence on more people. He doesn't want you to make more money. He doesn't want your family to come together. No, he wants the alternative. He wants you to be broke. He wants you to be anxious. He wants your family in, in strife and disorder and dissension. He wants division. He doesn't want you. He wants you in lack. That's what the enemy wants. So he's going to throw tradition at you. Well, we did this last year. Well, we did this this time. But this is how mom and dad always did it. Well, this is how the pastor always said it. Well, this is how your friends. But no, we're going to the next level this year, which means we're going to have to break out of some traditions. We already saw that doing the same thing brings the same results. Truth is what sets you free. Go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Jesus makes a very profound statement. This is the first time he ever preaches. The first time he preaches in public. The very fond statement that we know of. We could say it by heart. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why did he say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Jesus was bringing a brand new message that had not been preached like he was about to preach it to this point. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's preaching why he's come to the earth. He's preaching the kingdom that God is restoring back to the earth through his son, Jesus. But he knows that you're not going to receive this message in what you already know. And so he says, repent. Now, for us in church, we think repentance is coming down to the altar, asking forgiveness of your sins and going back to your seat and being a new person, being a different person. And if I ever sin, I can repent. But that's actually not what that word means at all. The word has nothing to do with sin. Repentance has nothing to do with forgiveness. The word repent literally means change your thinking. That's literally what it means. The word repent and repentance means to change your thinking. Change the way you think. Change the way you think about this. I heard someone say the other day that you don't see with your eyes. You see with your mind through your eyes. So this is where the perception and the perceiving takes place. That's why Jesus said they have eyes, but they cannot see. The word see there wasn't see literally with your eyes. That word see was perceive. They have eyes, yet they still don't understand and perceive what I'm saying. Why? They haven't repented. See, if I say you need to repent of that, I'm not saying, I'm not bringing condemnation and saying, you're just a sinful person. You need to go ask for forgiveness. I'm not saying at all. I'm saying maybe we need to change the way we think about that. I don't know about you. I have to repent every day. <laughs> I have to change the way I think about stuff every day. I was reading. I was in the Word this morning and, and saw some stuff. I was like, well, man, I got to repent. Not because I went out and boozed it up with my friends last night. <laughs> First of all, I don't have friends that booze it up, so... That's partly the reason why I don't. But not because I went out and did some horrible thing last night, but because I needed to change the way I think about something. I need to change the way I perceive something, change the way I see it. And so he's saying, if you're going to grasp the gospel of the kingdom, you're going to have to repent. You're going to have to change your thinking. And obviously, he ran into a group of people that refused to do that. The religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. You look at the, uh, the communication he had with Nicodemus, a Pharisee. Nicodemus had no clue what he was talking about. He's talking about, well, you know, if you want to see the kingdom of God, again, he's not saying see as in if you literally want to see it. He's saying if you want to understand the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. What? You, 
I'm an old man, as if a young man could do it. I'm an old man, and you're telling me that I need to go back into my mother's womb? You don't get it, dude. I told you. I told you way back in Matthew 4, verse 17. You need to repent if you're going to understand the kingdom. Then he said, you will not, you will not enter the kingdom if you don't. If you're not born again, born of water and born of the spirit. Right over his head. Nicodemus was that group of people. I'm lost, man. I don't even know what you're talking about. This crazy guy right here, he's talking about you got to go back up into your mom and then you got to be born of water and born of spirit. Whoa, man, you're on another planet. Yeah, because I'm bringing a totally different message than you've ever heard. And it's going to require you to think differently. This year, in 2013, you better get yourself in repentance mode. We better be able to think differently about what God is wanting us to walk into, or we will not grasp it. We will not perceive it. We will not enter it. We will not get to enjoy the benefits of it if we think about it the same way we thought about it last year. I mean, when, one of my favorite subjects to talk about is mind renewal. This is one of my favorite. I, I, I can get in there, and man, we can go to town because the Word says so much about your mind. You've heard me say before, I can't get you anywhere if I don't get your mind there first. I can't get you out of debt and doing better with your finances if I can't get your mind there, if I can't get you to see money differently. There are parts of this nation, and, and really our whole nation in general, we, we hate success if it's not us. And as soon as they get on a magazine cover, we try to tear them down. As soon as they make it to TV, we try to bring them back down to us. Whoa, you, you're getting too big. You've got to come back to where I'm at. You're making too much money. You're, you own too many businesses. You're, you're doing too much different stuff. We don't want to see people that are succeeding. If we're not involved. This is a nation that, and, and, and so we see it. We, we, we see the effects of it. We see the results of it. Because we don't want to see people in that position. And, and we don't want to see people with that much money. And so we abhor the idea. And so in our own lives, I'm talking in general, in the United States of America, the, the, that's the general consensus. And we see those results taking place. Why? Because how we think about it is how we're actually going to respond and act to it. So until I get your mind out of the way you see finances and money, then I can't get you there. You know why? Because I could give you $1,000 tomorrow and it'll be gone because of how you see money. But if I can change your perception, I can get you $1,000 tomorrow and in a few Give it time, you'll have 5,000. You'll have 10,000 because we've changed the view into spend to invest, from spend to invest, from hating it to getting it to work for us. And that's just money. I, I can't get you uh, 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 somewhere different. I can't get your family somewhere different if you've always got a mentality and a tradition that is locked into how you were raised and how you were treated and this didn't work and that didn't work and how, what I've seen and those traditions that have been long established and set up, those patterns that we continue over and over and over, those methods we continue over and over and over, if I can't change that up here, then it will not come to fruition in your family. I love my parents. I thank God for the upbringing that they gave me but i don't do everything they did i don't act the way they acted i don't respond the way they responded in everything there's plenty that they did that was right but there's some things that now as an adult i see and say you know what this is actually what the bible says and the truth has set me free not their tradition well you know this is how my parents did it then you get into husband-wife strife because they each have their own tradition on how they've handled the situation. 
Let me tell you, parents, how to get common ground with your children. Go here. Because however your mom and dad did it, and however your mom and dad did it, if it doesn't line up with the middle road, the word of God, we scratch it. We scratch it. Because tradition will never trump truth. Tradition will never override the truth of God's word. So we got to get out of these traditions, and it, we, it's by going to the truth. That's why he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 36. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 5, verse 36. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved. Here's what he's saying. And he's referring back to the kingdom. That's why he spoke in a parable. He's referring back to the kingdom and he's saying, what I'm about to give you, you cannot put in your old container. He's talking to the religious leaders again. He said, I'm about to bring to you a message and a gospel that is very different. And you cannot put the new in with the old. You have to change the container. You have to change the filter. This was huge for me because back in 2009, see, you know, some of those of you that, you know, may have just come to Christ or may be new to Christ and new to church and new to the Bible, you're actually at an advantage that, uh, that, that I didn't have uh, in one sense because growing up, you know, I, I grew up in church. I had parents... I was born in church, man. I, I really don't think I was born in a hospital. I think I was just born right there on a pew somewhere at some kind of, you know, Bible study or prayer meeting. And they say, hey, hold on a minute, you know, here comes, here comes little Mark. And here, okay, all right, let's go on with service. We're all good. I, I mean, that's how much I was there, man. I was in church. But through that, I had some traditions built up and didn't even realize it. You know, you won't recognize the tradition until truth comes. You won't recognize that you're doing something traditionally or even wrong until the right way comes along. And so I have been doing this, living this, believing this, and none of it was false, but there was a new way of looking at it, the kingdom of God. And I remember sitting there hearing that message in 2009 and it lit me on fire immediately, and I became the one in the parable of the sower that received it with joy and then went out and said, whoa, wait a minute. And I started asking myself questions. It's not wrong to ask questions. In fact, you better be asking questions. If you don't ever have a question, there's a problem. <laughs> Just go ahead and tell you right now. Because this natural mind and this natural body isn't built to understand everything I'm saying and giving to you right now. Go ahead and tell you. I had an instructor... In Bible school, it said, if you're not asking questions, you're not growing. You got to be asking questions. But I started having some questions about the kingdom. I saw it. I saw how God established the kingdom and planted it. But I started asking questions. Well, where's the kingdom at in Acts? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Yeah, that's great, man. But that was Jesus talking to a bunch of sinners. Where does that belong in church? Where are the apostles talking about? Where are the disciples talking about? Started asking questions. How does it fit in? And then I went and I heard a minister minister on the kingdom. And I didn't even know he was going to be a minister on the kingdom. I didn't know he had kingdom. I didn't know he understood that. And he just started going off and it set me free. Because he said many people who don't receive the message of the kingdom is because they're trying to throw the kingdom in their filter of everything they've already heard and learned. And that's what I was doing. I mean, I, I've grown up around some great ministries and ministers. 
If I said some names, you'd probably know them. People that are God-fearing, Bible-loving people that refer back to his word and love his word. And I started getting angry with myself. How come I've never heard this? And I've been around Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn. I've heard these people all my life. Not one of them has ever mentioned the kingdom of God to this extent. I started getting angry with myself. But then I went and I heard this minister preach. And he said, many people that don't receive is because they're taking everything they hear about the kingdom and they're throwing it in what they've already heard about faith and what they've already heard about the Holy Spirit, what they've already heard about prayer. He said, the kingdom is the filter. Now what I know about faith goes in through the kingdom. Now I know what about prayer goes in through the kingdom. Now I know about what I know about love goes into the kingdom. Not the kingdom trying to squeeze it into my stuff that I've already had planned. Until the kingdom because the, becomes the filter, then I'll always wrestle. I'll always wrestle. The, the greatest statement that helped me was that the kingdom message is the forest. And all the other principles are trees within the forest. The whole thing is the kingdom. And then we have a faith tree, and we have a prayer tree, and we have a love tree, we have a Holy Spirit tree. And so I had to change my filter. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, you're getting ready to receive something new, but you had better get you a new wineskin. You better get yourself a new container to put the new in. Because what's going to happen is, is if you hear the new, you're gonna, if you hear the new and try to squeeze it in your old, you're going to lose it all. See, this year, this year, God is wanting to move us into some new stuff. But if you try to move the new stuff he's giving you into your old way of thinking and your old way of doing things, your old way of acting, and your old way of responding, you'll lose them both. It will cost you what God wants to bring through your life this year. God may be trying to get some of us into a financial place that we never thought we could be. But if you try to squeeze his financial promises and blessings through how you've always viewed money in the past, you will lose it. You'll lose the blessing. No, we have to get a new container. We have to take what God is wanting to give us and bless us with this year, what he's wanting us to walk into, and put it in a new container. Truth is that container, not tradition. If tradition is your container, if the old way of doing something is what you're trying to stuff it into, you will lose it. You will lose what God is promising you. You will lose what God is wanting to do in your life this year. The blessings, the promises, the rewards, those things you've been believing for, those things you've been waiting for, those things that, man, we didn't get it in 2012, we didn't get it in 2011, but this is the year, we're going to get it this year. But we will do the same thing we did last year if we don't change the container. So we have to renew our minds. We have to repent. We have to have a different way of thinking. We have to change how we think, which will then in turn change how we act. And then when you change how you act, you get a different result. Told you before, God is results-oriented. He is results-oriented. You know why he's results-oriented? Because of Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 is the parable of the steward, the three stewards. We've talked about it many times. You can't tell me that God doesn't put us in a place to bear results and then show me that parable where he is demanding a return on their lives. This is why this is so important. I, we have to get this across because sometimes we feel that the resolutions and the promises that God has for us, they're just our ideas. We talked about that the first week, what to expect when you're expecting. Sometimes we think, that's my goal, I want to lose weight. But no, maybe that's something he really planted inside of you because he wants you to do something different this year. And he needs us to be in a different place. 
It may be finances. It may be your business. It may be how you, what you do with your family. But I'm going to tell you right now that all of those areas, no matter what area of your life it is this year, is an area of stewardship, which means it's something he has given you. He gave you that family to steward over. He gave you those finances to steward over. He gave you that business idea to steward over. But when the Lord comes back, when the master returns, he's got a demand on what he put in our hands. What'd you do with that family? What'd you do with that goal I gave you this year? What'd you do with that new position at your job? What'd you do with that pay raise? What'd you do with that business idea? The master's looking for a return. So we don't talk about that a whole lot. We don't talk about what the Lord's looking back in return because if we just give him our lives, well, are we giving him our lives? I mean, if your resolutions and your goals for this year are just your resolutions and goals, maybe next year, maybe right now, we need to set a pattern in place of asking God, what do you want me to have a goal for this year? What's your plan for this next year? I do that with this church. I did that last year, and I did it again this year. God, what is it that you want us to do this year? One, I don't want to shoot low. I also don't want to shoot high. Because if it were up to me, I want 1,000 people here next year. God's saying, whoa, let's hold back. Let's pace ourselves real quick. We got some other plowing to do. We got some work to do. Because then God is saying, could you handle a thousand? Could your character and your integrity handle a thousand? Could your people, could your supportive ministry handle a thousand? Could those that are believing with you and supporting you uh, with you, could they handle a thousand? You got to ask these questions. That's why I go in and say, God, what is, what is your resolution for my life? What are you resolving for my life this year? What are you resolving for the church this year? Because remember what we said the other week? You will be satisfied when, with your life when you live a life that satisfies him. See, I want to be satisfied with this church, but I won't be satisfied unless it's what he's satisfied with. And if he's satisfied with it, you know I'm satisfied with it. This is important. 2013, I... We're still there. You know, with us, you know, we, we move so fast on some things a lot of times. You know, I mean, it weighs on us for maybe a week. I still have thoughts about that shooting that took place in December. Most of the nation has probably forgotten about it. And I've heard there's stuff, you know, even on YouTube that's trying to discredit it or whatever. But even the thought of that happening in our nation, that weighs on me as a pastor, as a father. But a lot of people have forgotten about it, and we go right back into our daily lives. That's why I spent this whole month in this vein just talking about changing, doing something different this year. Not just the first Wednesday. Time is too short I don't know about you if you've noticed time is flying time is picking up time is moving faster the end is coming we're seeing the signs of the times and we've got to set ourselves we've got to put ourselves in place for what God wants to do in our lives because what he wants to do in us is what he wants to do through us it's not about you it's not about me. It's not about this church. It's not about a name. It's about what God wants to do through us if we get positioned with him. So this year, wherever he wants me to be financially, I want to be there. Wherever he wants my family to be, I want to be there. Wherever he wants me to be as a dad and as a husband, I want to be there. Wherever he wants me to be as a pastor, I want to be there. But we've got to apply some of these principles. I'm changing my thinking. I'm repenting. I'm changing my container. I'm not putting new wine in old wineskins this year. That's not happening. 
I got too much new wine to put in in 2013 to hold on to my old wineskins. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we love you. We are honored that you have given us the mission, the mandate to change this world, to change our world, wherever we're at, the people we influence, the people that we impact on a daily basis, Father. I thank you that we are getting out of the rut this year. Traditions will not hold us back. Traditions will not keep us bound and locked in, but we will see truth, perceive it, understand it, and walk in it, and the truth will set us free this year. Traditions bind and strap us down, but your truth sets us free. Your truth brings freedom to us. Father, we thank you for your truth. You haven't hidden it from us. You haven't kept it a secret. You just want us to search for it, go hard after it, and we'll know it, we'll understand it, and we'll live it. Father, I thank you for every individual here, every family here that has committed this year to finishing strong, not just starting. It's not how we start, but it's how we finish. To repenting, to changing our thinking, changing our container, getting rid of old wineskins so we can take on the new wine that you have for us this year, Father. I'm excited about where we're going as individuals, as families, and as a church body. Father, I thank you to continue to prepare, prepare our hearts for what you want to do through us. Enlarge our minds, enlarge our thinking, things that we thought maybe we would never do, never have the capabilities, never have the talent, never have the skills to do. Father, this year you're going to do things through us that would blow our minds because you said that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. So enlarge our hearts, enlarge our vision, enlarge our minds for our lives, for your will, for your purpose. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen.